This is Bobby Guy with the 10 Minute Health BizCast. This is album seven, track two. With us today is Dr. Lisa Piercy, a founder and managing partner at Tristella Capital Partners and the founder of Tristella Strategies. She's the former commissioner of health for the state of Tennessee, and she's an experienced pediatrician who also holds an MBA. Rural health care is her passion, and she's highly involved in helping rural America adapt in the rapidly changing healthcare environment. Lisa, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Bobby. Talk to us about your passion for rural health care and what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, it just stems from my personal background. So I'm a first-generation college graduate, was raised on a farm. As far as we know, I think my dad is a fifth-generation farmer. It's kind of all we've ever known. And, you know, I didn't know any different. I thought it was great. It is great. And then once I started going to professional schools and, and traveling with my work, I started recognizing, well, Things in rural America are not the same as they are in urban America. And specifically in my situation, I travel back and forth between Nashville, which is a very hot urban area, and our home farm about two hours west. And just going back and forth in the same week, I saw the disparities and so recognized that on my own. Well, then fast forward to the pandemic. And I'm not sure, at least not in my lifetime, that there's ever been any key moment that really defined those disparities between rural and urban like the pandemic did. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But ultimately, it was a passion of mine. And I kept waiting for the market to catch up with it or for investors to catch up with it. And I didn't see that happening. And so I thought, well, it's time for me to do it. So tell us about what your experiences led you to do with Tristella and what Tristella specifically is doing. Sure. So the mantra that I work with is uh, related to something that I've used as a pediatrician for years. And when I say it, people are like, oh, yeah, that's right. But it's not something that's top of mind for a lot of people. Well, everybody knows that kids aren't small adults. Pediatricians don't just shrink (laughs) down what adults do, you know, for medicine. It's a different physiology. It's a different approach. And we have to remember that rural areas are not just small urban areas. And you can look at a lot of examples where big health systems or private capital tried to shrink what they were doing, shrink and or simplify what they were doing in urban areas and make it work in rural areas. And it was a complete flop because they're not recognizing the fundamental differences. And so, you know, kind of having that firsthand perspective and that firsthand passion, frankly, I wanted to use Tristella to not only help shape what happens in healthcare in rural America, but I wanted to actively invest in that. So Tristella Capital Partners is a lower middle market rural healthcare search fund. That's a big mouthful to basically say, you know, I'm I'm collaborating with other investors and we're going to identify high potential businesses and healthcare companies in rural areas. It doesn't have to be exclusively rural, but that's a primary focus for us. And then we're going to take our experience and we're going to lead that to a sustainable product. And, you know, part of that is recognizing the big differences, those being, you know, kind of the older, sicker, poorer population in rural areas, not having the infrastructure and the facilities. And frankly, 
there's just some ideological differences and you can kind of brush that off, but if you do, you're not going to get the best results. And so I'm not suggesting that we shape all of our businesses to be exactly mindful of people's political ideologies, but it does change their behavior and it changes their health-seeking behavior. And so we have to be mindful of that. So when I think about rural healthcare in America, I picture the network of rural hospitals that we built in the 50s and 60s under the Hilburton Act. Major advancement at the time, but we're 70 years on now. New era, and many of those hospitals are facing obsolescence. So I'd love to know from your perspective, what does the next generation of rural healthcare look like? Yeah, Bobby, that's, that's crazy that you bring that up because one of my very first tasks as a rural hospital administrator, had a portfolio of rural hospitals, I had to shut down the rural hospital in my hometown. And so not only was I was a candy striper there as a young teenager, that's where my family not only got their health care, but frankly, that's where we ate every Sunday after church. And there were just so many so many ties to that facility, and that has happened over and over and over again throughout our country. And now it's kind of crazy to think, why did every little community or at least every county have one of these hospitals? Well, you think about the differences in healthcare seeking patterns, just as I just mentioned. First of all, people didn't routinely just hop in their cars and drive 30 or 45 minutes. Now that's just a standard commute. But in rural areas, their their transportation just wasn't that robust. Likewise, medicine itself wasn't as specialized. It wasn't as technologically advanced. So the community family doctor could handle a lot of things. They delivered babies. They took out gallbladders. They, you know, uh, helped people both in the newborn and in the end stages of life. The advances in medicine have shifted us to a highly specialized, and now with our lack of transportation barriers globally, sort of a more regionalized approach. And that's okay, but what happens to our rural communities? And for me, you know, not only is it a passion, as I've referenced a couple of times, it's also imperative from an economic development standpoint. I mean, you talk about recruiting to these smaller communities. Somebody doesn't want to put a manufacturing plant somewhere if they think they're not going to be able to get emergency care, you know, if a worker is injured. So what does that look like going forward? And I have this conversation often with mayors, local county mayors, because they're just in dire straits of, I've got to do something. And and we always go back to one central question, which is, what is it that your community is using? And in a lot of situations, that is, they are using the local hospital for imaging and emergency care and maybe some uh, routine lab work. And so that's not only a, a service to the patients where they can get that, you know, nobody likes to drive 45 minutes when they're fasting in the morning. It's much easier to pop in somewhere nearby. So if they're using it for labs and x-ray, they're using it for emergency, well, let's keep those things open. And fortunately, the Rural Emergency Hospital um, Act and, and that new policy is allowing for that. And then for more specialized care, they can go to a regional center. You know, the other thing uh, people have this knee-jerk reaction is that, oh, telehealth. Telehealth is the answer. Well, 
Let's let's think about that. Maybe, yes, in some cases. But, you know, five years ago, I would say, well, we don't have broadband everywhere. Fortunately, that is getting remedied pretty quickly. And so I don't think that excuse is going to last much longer. But it goes back to those, um, the demographics of the people. Older people aren't as comfortable with technology. And even if they're comfortable with it, they may or may not trust it. So we have to make sure, maybe it's a hybrid, maybe it is uh, in certain situations. It has to be timely and it has to be affordable, but it has to be accessible. And that includes technology as well. That's fascinating and not something I would have expected. So that's really interesting. So in your opinion, what would great healthcare, great rural healthcare look like? Well, this is not going to be the answer that you want, but but it's the real answer. And I have to say this is with my former public health hat on because everybody does want what is that silver bullet? I just referenced telehealth. You know, it, that's the that's the magic bullet that's just going to fix rural health care. The issue is focusing on health and not health care because people in rural areas, as mentioned, are older and sicker and poorer. They cost more to take care of. They're sometimes, not always, maybe I'm talking about the people I know, a little more stubborn when it comes to uh, doing what they what they ought to be doing from a health standpoint. And culturally, you know how we like our Southern food. And, and so, you know, we, we chuckle about it and I do laugh about it myself. But then you talk about the psychological impact of taking something away from somebody that's really important. So we have to figure out how to, to use an expression, crack that nut. How do we crack the nut of making sure we're focusing on health and not just slapping more Band-Aids on there? So as we close, I'd like your perspective. If you could snap your fingers and change one thing about how we do healthcare in the U.S., what would it be? I want to snap my fingers and make all the payer processes, the prior authorizations, all the excessive audits, all that. I want to make it go away because I understand cerebrally, I unturn play that it's a cost containment measure, whether that is sort of adding time. I won't call it an intentional delay, but okay, you're adding time to the process, you know, to stretch that out, the payment cycle. And that could be a cost containment measure. It could be a cost containment measure to put up so many barriers that people just say, I'm not going to fool with it. It's not worth it. Or it could be, you know, whether it's excessive audits or whatever, coming back and saying, you know what, it's easier, quicker and cheaper for me to just give this money, this recruitment back to you instead of fight this audit that I know I'm right on. And so I get it from a cost containment standpoint. But at the end of the day, I know that payers want to help patients. That's why why they're in that business. I'm going to convince myself of that. And so they they are with this process of cost containment. Patients are suffering because, and particularly rural patients who struggle with health literacy or may not have time to sit on the phone between their two jobs and answer these questions. And so patients are suffering in the same way with office staff. Lisa, thank you for being with us today. This has been the 10-Minute Health BizCast, broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee. Thanks for joining us.
trusting that provider 